0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, you can do so at Facebook on the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you'll be able to interact with other readers and listeners and share your own thoughts and insights into today's reading. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. forever and ever. Amen. Today is date number 176. We are reading from volume 2, book 4, chapter 26, paragraphs 664 to 671. Chapter 26. Of the wonders which the infant Jesus, most holy Mary, and Joseph wrought at Heliopolis in Egypt, 664. Isaiah says that the Lord shall enter Egypt upon a light cloud, in order to work miracles for that country. Isaiah, in calling the Most Holy Mary, or as others think, the humanity derived from her a cloud, no doubt wishes to indicate that the Lord was to fertilize and water the barren land of the hearts of its inhabitants, in order that henceforth they might produce the fruits of the sanctity and of divine knowledge. And so it really happened, after that heavenly cloud had overshadowed this land. For immediately the belief in the true God began to spread, and idolatry to be destroyed. The paths of eternal life began to be opened, which until then had been closed by the demons. To such an extent was all this true, that there was scarcely any province in the land in which the true God remained unknown, as soon as the incarnate word had arrived therein. Although some of the people came to this knowledge through intercourse with the Hebrews, which existed between these two nations at that time, Kings 4, yet a great many errors, superstitions, and worship of the demons were mixed up with it, just as was the case with the Babylonians, who at another time came to live in Sumeria. But after the Son of Justice began to illumine Egypt and marry Mosoli, the taintless cloud began to overshadow that land, It became so fertile in holiness and grace that it gave forth abundant fruit for many centuries. This is witnessed by the many saints that lived in it afterwards and by the thousands of hermits that made its mountains gather up and distill such sweet honey of sanctity and Christian perfection. 665. As I said, in order to secure these blessings to the Egyptians, the Lord took his dwelling in the city of Heliopolis. As it was so full of idols, temples, and altars of the demons, which at its entrance all fell to the dust with great crashing and noise, the whole city was set in commotion and confusion by the suddenness of this ruin. Isaiah 19.1 People rushed about, astonished, and, as if crazed in mind, curiosity brought to the newly arrived strangers numbers of men and women who sought to speak to the great queen and St. Joseph. The Heavenly Mother, who was aware of the mysterious designs of God, spoke to their inmost hearts, and with great wisdom, prudence, and sweetness. They were filled with wonder at her incomparable gentleness and her exalted teachings, which undeceived them of their errors. And as she immediately cured some of the sick, she quieted, and even encouraged them so much the sooner, These miracles were so rapidly noised abroad that in a short time an immense concourse of people gathered to see the heavenly strangers, and the most prudent lady was forced to consult her most holy son as to her further conduct toward this great multitude. The infant God told her to instruct them in the knowledge of God, teach them his true worship, and exhort them to desist from sinful life. 666 In this office of preaching to the Egyptians and of teaching them, our heavenly princess served as the instrument of her Most Holy Son, who lent power to her words. The effect of it was so great that many books would be required to describe the wonder and the conversions of souls that took place during the seven years of their stay in this province. For in her ministry she was filled with the benedictions of sweetness, Psalm 24. When the heavenly lady listened to and answered those that came to her, she held in her arms the infant Jesus as the one who was the author of all the graces to be dispensed to sinners. She spoke to each one in the manner suitable to his capacity and serviceable for teaching him the doctrine of eternal life. She enlightened them concerning the divinity and made them understand that there cannot be more than one God. She explained to them, the several articles of truth pertaining to the creation and redemption of the world. She impressed upon their minds the commandments of the Decalogue, founded upon the natural law, and she showed them the manner of adoring and worshiping God, and how they were to expect the regeneration of the human race. Six sixty seven, Concerning the demons, she explained how they were enemies of God and men how deeply they kept men in error by their idol worship and the false answers of their oracles, how they induced men to commit the vilest abominations and afterwards secretly tempted them by exciting the disorderly passions. Although the Queen of Heaven was so pure and free from all that is imperfect, nevertheless, for the glory of the Most High, she did not deem it beneath her to speak to them of those vile and impure excesses in which all Egypt was sunk. She also declared to them, that the repair of so many ills, who was to overcome the demons as it was written of him, was already come into the world. Although she did not say that she held him in her arms in order that her teachings might be accepted, so much the more readily and the truth might be more apparent, she confirmed her words by great miracles, curing all sorts of people who were sick or possessed by the devil and who came from all parts of the country." A few times the queen went to the infirmaries and conferred admirable blessings upon the sick. Everywhere she consoled the sorrowful and brought relief to the afflicted and the unfortunate, winning all by loving kindness and beneficence and admonishing them with sweet earnestness. 6.68 In regard to the cure of the sick and wounded, the heavenly lady hesitated between two different sentiments. The one of charity, which drew her to nurse the wounded with her own hand, and the other of modesty, which forbade her to touch anyone. In order that all propriety might be observed, her Most Holy Son empowered her to cure the men by her mere word and exhortations, while she might cure the women by the touch of her hands and cleansing their wounds. This course of action she maintained thenceforward, taking upon herself as well the office of a mother, as of a sick nurse, respectively. But as I will narrate, after they had lived two years in that place, St. Joseph also began to cure the sick, while the matchless charity of the queen busied itself more particularly with the cure of the women. Though she was herself endowed with such unsullied purity, free from all infirmities and sufferings, yet she hesitated not to tend their festering ulcers and apply with her own hands the coverings and bandages required. All this she did with such tender compassion, as if she herself were afflicted with their misfortunes. Sometimes it happened that in order to relieve and cure the poor, she asked permission of her divine son to place him in the cradle, thus permitting the lord of the poor to witness in another way the loving charity of this humble lady. But in all these occupations and cures, oh wonderful to relate, this most modest mistress never looked upon the face of either man or woman. Even when the wound was in the face, her mossy was so exquisite that she would not have been able to recognize any of her patients by their features if she had not known all men by another interior kind of vision. 669. On account of the excessive heat prevailing in Egypt and on account of the many disorders rampant among the people, the distempers of the Egyptians were widespread and grievous. During the years of the stay of the infant Jesus and his most holy mother, pestilence devastated Heliopolis and other places. On this account, and on account of the report of their wonderful deeds, multitudes of people came to them from all parts of the country, and returned home cured in body and soul, in order that the grace of the Lord might flow more abundantly, and in order that his kindest mother might have assistance in her works of mercy. God, at the instance of the heavenly mistress, ordained St. Joseph as her helper in the teaching and healing of the infirm. For this purpose, he was endowed with new light and power of healing. The Holy Mary began to make use of his assistance in the third year of their stay in Egypt, so that now he ordinarily taught and cured the men while the Blessed Lady attended to the women. Incredible was the fruit resulting from their labors in the souls of men, for her uninterrupted beneficence, And the gracious efficacy of her words drew all toward our Queen, and her modesty and holiness filled them with devoted love. They offered her many presents and large possessions, anxious to see her make use of them. But never did she receive anything for herself or reserve it for her own use, for they continued to provide for their wants by the labor of their hands and the earnings of St. Joseph. When at times the Blessed Lady was offered some gift that seemed serviceable and proper for helping the needy and the poor, she would accept it for that purpose. Only with this understanding would she ever yield to the pious and affectionate importunities of devout persons, and even then she often made them a present in return of things made by her own hands. From what I have related, we can form some idea how great and how numerous were the miracles wrought by the Holy Family during their 7 years' stay in Egypt and Heliopolis, for it would be impossible to enumerate and describe all of them. Instruction vouchsafed to me by the Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary. 670. My daughter, thou art full of wonder at the works of mercy which I exercised in Egypt, "'curing the sick of their infirmities "'and helping the poor in their necessities "'in order to relieve them in body and soul. "'Thou wilt be able to understand "'how all this comported "'with my love of modesty and retirement, "'when thou takest into consideration "'the immense love "'that urged my Most Holy Son "'to hasten immediately after his birth "'to the assistance of these people "'and pour out over them "'his immense love "'and his longings for their salvation. "'This love he communicated to me.' and thus made me an instrument of his power. Or I should not have dared to enter upon such a great enterprise, for though I always preferred to abstain from speaking or communicating with others, yet the will of my Son and Lord governed me in all things. Of thee, my friend, I desire that in imitation of me thou work for the benefit and salvation of thy neighbors, seeking to follow me in the perfection and quality of my works. Thou needest not seek occasions, for the Lord will send them. In some extraordinary circumstances, however, thou mayest find it advisable to offer thy services, but seek to exert thy influence upon all, teach and exhort them according to thy light, not presuming to take upon thyself the office of a teacher, but of one that seeks to console and one that pities the hardships of her brothers, as one who with much reserve and humility and with great charity seeks to exhort them to patience. 671. As for those under thy charge, exhort and reprove them, govern and direct them to greater and greater perfection of virtue, and to fulfill the divine pleasure. For next to seeking thy own perfection, God wills that thou encourage and teach those under thy charge according to power and graces given to thee. Pray without ceasing for those whom thou canst not speak, thus extending thy charity towards all men. Since thou canst not go outside to tend the sick, make up for it by taking care of those living with thee, zealously serving them personally in whatever pertains to their comfort and wants. Do not consider thyself above this service, because thou art their superioress. For on this very account thou must act as their mother, and show thy loving care as such toward all, while in other things thou must interiorly esteem thyself below them. Since the word ordinarily leaves the care of the sick to the most poor and despised, simply because it does not know the high value of the service, therefore I too assign to thee as to one who is poor, and the least of all this office of tending the sick, in order that thou mayest follow me in the performance of it. This concludes our reading today for day number 176. We've been reading from volume 2, book 4, chapter 26, paragraphs 664 To 671. Today we hear about the time spent in exile in Egypt. And again, recapping some of the things we've already heard the fall of these false gods. And then a very powerful line this is witnessed by the many saints that lived in it afterwards and by the thousands of hermits that made its mounds gather up and distill such sweet honey of sanctity and Christian perfection. Maria Vagrata is telling us here that because Christ was in Egypt that a great holiness remained there and we do see some of these great saints rise up some great conversions as well one of the ones i recall and really i think emphasizes hearing the word of god and responding to it is that of saint anthony of egypt saint anthony was an individual who came from a wealthy family he had lots of money And one day he enters into the church and he hears, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And so Anthony goes and sells everything. He leaves a trust for his sister so that her needs would be provided for. He sells everything and he goes and he becomes a hermit in the desert. He was highly sought after. People wanted his counsel and his advice. This is just one Egyptian saint That rises up. There are so many that we could give reflection to. I think when it comes to the fleeing into Egypt and remaining there, one of the questions we always have is, how long were they there? And so today we get that answer. The effect of it was so great that many books would be required to describe the wonders and the conversions of souls that took place during the seven years. So they stay seven years in Egypt before returning. And I'm sure we'll hear about the return from Egypt and how the angel informs them and so forth in forthcoming chapters that we will read. Our Lady then takes on the work of healing. In a previous reading, we heard that Our Lady was one who would make things by her hand that she was able to weave and knit and all of these things. But now she takes on the office of healing. And it's not her that heals. It's really God who heals, but is using her as the instrument of healing. She who holds the Christ child, that healing is facilitated. But then we see because of Mary's modesty, she doesn't want to look at the man, that then Joseph is... Called into this healing mission as well. In order that the grace of the Lord might flow more abundantly, and in order that his kindest mother might have assistance in her works of mercy, God, at the assistance of the heavenly mistress, ordained Saint Joseph as her helper in the teaching and healing of the infirm. For this purpose, he was endowed with new light and power of healing. Again, I always go back to those twin titles. Just as we have the sacred heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, we have Mary as the health of the sick and Joseph as the hope of the sick. And we do know that through the intercession of St. Joseph in church history, that many individuals have experienced healing by the power of his prayers. Just go and read some stuff about the shrine in Montreal and all of the healings that have been obtained there. Or the shrine of St. Joseph in St. Louis where a miracle through a different saint, St. Peter Claver, was obtained. But again, facilitated at a place honoring St. Joseph. St. Joseph does have a role in healing, and we can ask him to pray for us in that regard. I think the takeaway from the lesson that Our Lady gives to Maria of Agurta today is that we should be open to serving the sick. If you know someone in your life Well, go and do something special for them. Maybe they need a meal. Maybe they need some yard work done. Maybe they need you to grocery shop for them. Just ask yourself today, how can I serve the sick like Our Lady? I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of The Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you. And Mary, pray for you.